say this, I mean this, I mean this uh, from the depth of my heart. I want you to just obey the Holy Ghost tonight. Whatever God has put on your heart for this church, we want to hear from God. I'm, t- I'm serious about this thing, church. I am serious about us moving on up into a new dimension, a new realm of the Spirit. I'm serious about us breaking through the barriers and seeing the glory of God fall in this church. It's time. It's time. It's time. It's time. But I know that God is requiring some things of His people. Amen. That's just the way God works. Amen. God does require of us things, sacrifice. Amen. Things that God wants us to do. And He has always said, if my people will, then I will. Amen. And the first step is ours. The Bible says, draw nigh to God, and He will draw nigh to you. Uh, the, The first step is ours. The first step is ours. We've got to make the move. Amen. Amen. God, though God set the bush on fire, God did not speak to Moses until Moses turned aside and looked at it. God wanted to see that there was a hunger, that there was a desire, that there was an interest in the heart of Moses. God did not holler at Moses out of the bush. God waited for Moses to recognize something supernatural is going on. Well, praise God. Amen. Amen. I want... I want to be sensitive to the Spirit. I want to hear what the Spirit says tonight. I want my heart to be receptive to the Word of God, and I want my spirit to be responsive, amen, to the Spirit of God. Anybody else feel that way tonight? Praise God. Amen, amen. Brother Moore, we are indeed honored to have you here, and I mean that. And again, I do want you just to take your liberty tonight. I want us to say it again tonight, and I want us to mean it when we say it. Everybody say, Brother Moore, preach to me. Would you say that, Brother Moore? Preach to me. God bless you. Come take your liberty. Well, praise the Lord, church. It's good to be back in the house of the Lord tonight. Man, I was thinking about what the elder was saying about cheerleaders. And uh, it just uh, got me a little bit excited back here. And I thought, well, I better contain myself. I've got to preach. Amen. <laughs> I was uh, fighting it, praise God, and uh, I thought about it, and uh, the thought crossed my mind. I'd been to a few ball games. I was not raised in church. I'd been to some ball games before in my lifetime, and uh, I recognize a true fan when you see one. Man, a true fan. Anybody know the difference between just a fan and a true fan? Some of y'all say... I think I know. <laughs> Fan just simply shout and get excited when their ball team scores a goal. But true fans can shout whether they're winning or whether they're losing. Amen. I'm going to tell you, when you're a true fan, it doesn't matter if you feel like you're winning or losing, you still got to shout in your heart. It don't matter if all hell tips upside down on you. You can still praise God. I don't know about you, but we're on the winning team tonight. And I've got something to shout about. I said i got something to shout about. Amen. Hallelujah. I uh, <clears throat> had such a good time last week. I was... 
I was petrified. I really was. I was just so nervous. Some of y'all think I'm kidding, but I, I'm not kidding. I was very nervous. I'm nervous again tonight. <clears throat> such a good man, such a good pastor, man that you have. And I tell you, I got great, great respect for him and his wife. I really do. I really do. And um, <clears throat> I'm uh, I'm only going to be brother more tonight. And I uh, felt the Holy Ghost uh, laid something on my heart. And uh, I prayed, and I've been praying for this church and uh, for this service. And the Lord directed me in different route, and I just feel like maybe possibly down the road when it's time, um, God laid something very, very heavy on my heart. And uh, I really feel like it's for this church, but God knows the exact time. God knows the exact time. Amen. But tonight, <clears throat> this is what the Lord laid on my spirit and uh, I want to mind the Holy Ghost. Anybody can let me mind the Holy Ghost tonight. I want to ask you all a favor. Man, I'm not pastor. I'm just evangelist. Man, but I ask if you can, please, in respect to God and His house, and to the ministry, will you please, please, please be very cautious. And uh, uh, to the moving around and the restroom breaks. I'm going to tell you, we need to be very, very careful at how we treat God's house. Especially, especially when the preaching is going on. Amen. I'm a firm believer in that. That, uh, you know, it, it would be very sad for us to just jump up and blunder down the, uh, the aisle way when someone is connecting with something in the Holy Ghost and needing a touch and we break that concentration that they have. Amen. Let's be very careful, amen, of the Holy Ghost. And if God deals with you to pray, amen, a certain time, please help me pray. Because God God wants to fill someone with the baptism of the Holy Ghost. Amen. I'm gonna, how many of y'all have the baptism of the Holy Ghost? You've spoken other tongues. Amen. If you spoke in other tongues, will you raise up your hand right now? Amen. I, I need your help tonight. And ev- everyone here tonight, whether you've had the Holy Ghost or spoken tongues, I need your help. I need your help tonight. We're going to go, if you'll go with me tonight, turn with me to the book of Numbers, chapter number 9. The reading of the word of the Lord, just look over my voice. uh, uh, Most of y'all that uh, have been around me a little bit, I I do, I'm kind of like this pastor. I try to put everything I've got into the message, and uh, my voice is on the blink, praise God. So we need the Holy Ghost to move tonight. Amen. Numbers, chapter number 9. In respect to the Lord tonight, if you're not standing, please stand for the reading of the word of the Lord. Numbers chapter number 9, if you're there, say amen. Verse number 4, as we pick up this setting of scripture, says, And Moses spake unto the children of Israel that they should keep the Passover. And uh, they kept the Passover on the 14th day on the first month, that even in the wilderness of Sinai, according to... To all that the Lord commanded Moses, so did the children of Israel. Verse number 6 says, And there were certain men who were defiled by the dead body of a man, that they could not keep the Passover on that day. And they came to Moses and before Aaron on that day, and those men said unto him, We are defiled by the dead body of a man. Wherefore? We are kept back. 
And we may, that we may not offer an offering of the Lord in his appointed, appointed season among the children of Israel. And Moses said unto them, Stand still, and I will hear what the Lord will command concerning you. And the Lord spake unto Moses, saying, Speak unto the children of Israel, saying, If a man of you or the posterity shall be unclean by reason of a dead body, or be in a journey afar off, yet he shall, he shall keep the Passover unto the Lord. I want to emphasize today, the Bible clearly states that these men could not partake on that day, the Passover, to send up an offering unto the Lord. But their heart, their heart cried out, Man, we want to partake and we want to sacrifice. We want to be a part of what God is doing around here. And as they began to make it known, Moses took it upon his heart. I want to find out what God has to say about this. Amen. These men were defiled. How many times do you feel like you come to the house of God? And even tonight, you just feel like you've been defiled by so many things in your life that you just don't feel like... That you just don't feel like you can reach up to God and you're clean before Him. Amen. You feel like your conscience says there's no way that you can fit in and worship me tonight. I'm going to tell you, friend, I've got news for you tonight that I believe that it's high time that the people of the living God, even our visitors or our guests tonight, realize that it's God's will for you to come into the house of the Lord and for you to get in this place and send up an offering and you to oh hallelujah somebody just raise up your heads somebody just worship him right now amen somebody just give him some love somebody send up a love offering to him right now will you praise him god i'm so thankful lord that your spirit is in this place God, that your anointing is going to help us out. God, I'm expecting your spirit to move us higher and elevate us in the Holy Ghost. Somebody give him a good hand clap of praise right now. Oh, thank you, Jesus. You may be seated in the fear of the Lord. To educate some here tonight to get you to understand where we're headed and where we're going with this. As many times we read the scripture and we overlook some things and we don't realize until we stop and take a second look at the scripture to see what God is trying to emphasize. And and uh, I know this is going to be very basic, very, very elementary, but I feel like God's going to take us somewhere tonight in the Holy Ghost. I feel so confident that God is going to do something great. I feel like God is just going to take it another step higher, amen, around the house of the Lord than what we've been feeling. Praise God. That's how I feel about it. Amen. Too many times we look around and we begin to judge our situation. We begin to look at our situation and say, there's no way that God is going to move in this situation. Or we just feel like we're just hopeless and we feel like it's never going to change. 
change. And we feel like it's uh, nothing's ever going to change in my life. And, and, and basically, we just simply feel like we've been defiled. The Bible clearly states in the Old Testament, we realize, just for time's sake, the Bible said that if a man be walking along the way or in the field, that if a man just simply drops dead, that the Bible said that that man that was walking beside that man was considered defiled. Amen. He could not. The, the, there's several different scriptures and setting of scriptures that the Bible said that if a man uh, was defiled by the dead body uh, of a person or uh, the dead body, uh, the Bible says that he could not even partake in the things of the Lord or go into the tabernacle and touch the things that were sacred and holy unto God that he would be separated for a period of time. So the Bible declares that these men knew that they had to be separated for a period of time. Thus they could not partake in the sacrifice in that appointed time. They realized that we want to but the scripture said we can't. But their heart said I want to sacrifice. I'm going to I don't know about anybody here tonight. Man, maybe you're in a situation that you just feel like there's just been dead things all around you. And you just feel like there's just been a dead situation. And, and you don't know your way out. But I'm going to tell you, friend, I believe God is going to give you a way out tonight. God is going to give somebody a hope that they didn't have before they came to the house of God. Amen. Genesis chapter number 21. I've got just a few scriptures I want to read here and then we're going to dive into this thing. Genesis 21 verse number 8 said, And the child grew and was weaned. And Abraham made a great feast that same day that Isaac was weaned. And Sarah saw the son of Hagar the Egyptian, which she had borne unto Abraham, mocking. That wherefore she said unto Abraham, Cast out this bondwoman and her son, for the son of this bondwoman shall not be heir with my son, even with Isaac. And the thing was very grievous in Abraham's sight because of the son of his son. And God said unto Abraham, Let it not be grievous in thy sight because of the lad, because of thy bondwoman, and all that Sarah hath said unto thee, hearken unto her voice. For in Isaac shall thy seed be called. And also thy son of the bondwoman will I make a nation because he is thy seed. Watch what happens. And the Bible said, And Abraham rose up early in the morning and took bread and a bottle of water and gave it unto Hagar, putting it on her shoulder and the child and sent her away. And she departed and wandered in the wilderness of Beersheba. And the water was spit in the bottle and she cast a child under one of the shrubs and she went and sat her down over against him a good way off as it were a bow shot for she said let me not see the death the death of the child and she sat over against him and lifted up her voice her voice and wept the next sitting scripture devastated me when I saw this, when the Holy Ghost shook my spirit and I realized what God was trying to emphasize and say when the Bible said she lifted up her voice, she couldn't stand seeing uh, what she loved die in her life. She began to cry and she began to weep. Everything that she knew, Elder, for stability in her life had been ripped out from under her. And then there she was left in the wilderness, didn't know where she was going to go, 
didn't know where she was going to get her next meal, didn't know anything what tomorrow held, but everything that she knew was a prosperity and life itself and happiness had been ripped out from under her. And the Bible said she could not bear it another second she began to lift up her voice and weep and as she began to weep the bible said and god heard the voice of the lad the angel of god called to hagar out of heaven and said unto her what aileth thee hagar fear not for god had heard the voice of the lad where he is arise lift up the lad behold in uh, hold him in thine hand for I will make him a great nation now I'm not going into a history lesson tonight I want you to just write with me amen that the Bible begins to declare that Hagar began to look around I'm going to tell you she lived under a house or in a house that was prosperous in God I'm going to tell you Abraham was a man of God and he had plenty amen be and the bondwoman of Abraham, I want you to understand that, that she was blessed because he was blessed. And everything, she, I'm going to tell you, she was not hurting, amen, for things uh, around her. She had food and she had water and she had good things. But one day the Bible said that everything that she loved, everything that she cared about, friend, I'm going to tell you, you got to think about Hagar's side. That the Bible said that one day she woke up and Abraham said, sorry, sin. You've got to have to go. And she didn't know where she was going to go. But all she knew is this is all I've got. Amen. The Bible said that the bread was gone and the water was gone. And she lifted up her voice. Why? Because she knew and she felt like she was going to die. And not just her, but she felt like everything around her was tired. Every, how many times do we look around and we just feel like everything around us is simply dying in our life. And we began to weep and cry and ask God why. I'm going to tell you, I feel like God sent this message tonight to get somebody to understand. Amen. There's many times in your walk of God, or maybe you're here tonight and you're not where you need to be with God. And you look around, you just feel like things are dying in your life. And you don't know why, God. I don't understand. Why me? And I, I just don't know. And the Bible said she began to cry. But the Bible declares that God heard the voice of the lad where he was. We understand that God was going to make a great nation. He was going to bless that. But on the other side of the stick, I want you to understand there was two different cries going on. How many times have I seen people go to the altar? Two people hear the same message. Two people feel the same anointing. Two people sit through the same song service. Two people run to the altar. Amen. They both are crying. Amen. God blesses one and touches one. But it seems like He doesn't that's the other. I'm going to tell you, friend, too many times I feel like we're like Hagar. We sit around throwing ourselves a royal pity party about how everything we don't have and everything we feel like we're losing and everything we just feel like is dying in our... Somebody lift up your hands and worship Him right now. I'm going to tell you, friend, God doesn't... He's not interested in somebody coming in the house of God and praying and crying about everything that you're losing around that. 
Amen. Hallelujah. You know, the Bible said in the book of Revelation 3, be watchful and strengthen the things which remain that are ready to die. I'm going to tell you, friend, there's times in your life that you're going to be defiled and you're going to feel like everything around you is being pulled right out from under you. Elder, I'm going to tell you, there's going to be times in our life that we're going to come into the house of the Lord and we just feel like the devil has hit us so hard. Amen. That everything that we're working for in God is just simply dying in our life. We begin to cry and ask God, God, to help us. Amen. But you know what? There was another voice there. It was the voice of a young boy. I'm going to tell you, friend, that voice of that lad began to cry. And God heard that cry. You know what kind of cry God begins to hear? It's not the cry of somebody throwing a pity party of how bad it is. And everything you don't have. And everything that you've lost. And everything. Well, look over there. Look over here. Hey, man, I'm going to tell you, friend, somewhere you got to get the attitude. Hey, man, in the spirit of that young boy that said, hey, I'm hungry, and I'm thirsty, and I need something to drink. You know what his voice was crying? I don't want to die in the middle of this test. I don't want to die in the middle of my show. I'm telling you somebody, you got to understand, you got to make up your mind, I'm not dying here. I'm not dying in this storm. I'm not dying in my test. I've got to have something in God. I'm going to tell you, friend, we can sit around and boo-hoo. And and cry about everything we're losing. (laughs) Amen. I'm going to tell you, when you get the attitude, God... I want to live. I want to live. That's what I want to preach tonight. Live. Live and not die. Live and not die. Can somebody just give him another worship? Somebody give him a hand clap of praise. Hallelujah. Amen. I understand that too many times we come in and we just seem like we kind of like Gideon and Gideon's army that the Bible said look you're going to have to go up and the Bible begins to declare he said look Gideon you've got too many somebody needs to pay very close attention to this tonight because if you'll just connect this with your life you're going to understand a few things why you've been going through what you've been going through and Gideon said God I don't understand we've got too many the Midianites are more than the sand of the sea amen and all of a sudden God said you got too many tell all the fearful and afraid to go home can I tell you friend I believe it was what was 22 23,000 that simply walked away Gideon thought well God we're ready to go up and fight God said you've got too many can you imagine looking up at God and saying God what are you doing to me you're going to get me killed. And he couldn't understand. You've got too many. He took them down the water. Some lapped. Some sipped. And God cultivated. And he ended up with 300 men. Now some of you mathematicians tonight. 
Can you give me the decrease? Amen. The decrease of how many Gideon lost. Three, was it 32, 33,000 to begin with? Amen. And he ended up with 300 men. Amen. The level of decrease was right at 1% left. Can you imagine God taking 99% away and saying, now you're ready, Gideon. And Gideon looks up and say, my God, we done lost all of our congregation. We've done lost this. And we've lost, we don't have this and we don't have look at that church over there look at that church we can't have revival I'm going to tell you friend amen when we get down to nothing amen that is when God we've got to stop relying on what we can do friend and start relying on what he can do 1% 1% he said I know what we're going to do Amen. Let's get some pictures and some torches. And they was like crazy men. When I sound the alarm, you break your pictures and run off the side of the hill screaming. You know what? Anybody know what they screamed when they come running off the hillside? (laughs) It's like one elder preacher. I can't. I've got to say this tonight. One elder preacher was preaching many, many years ago. And he had a speech impediment. True story. Speech impediment. And he was talking about Gideon, but he couldn't say Gideon. He had to say get it on. He was preaching about old get it on. (laughs) And all of a sudden he got to the place. Never forgot. He got to the place where they was breaking their pictures and going forth to battle. And they screamed, the sword of the Lord and get it on. The sword. I thought, my God. Amen. If we could get that in our spirit. When we got the sword of the Lord. It's time to get it on, honey. It's time to fight. When you get God, you got everything. I said, you got everything. We sit around and we want. Oh, go ahead. Hallelujah. We wonder why we're losing this and losing that. Don't you stop and think God is trying to get a hold of somebody to realize it's not in what you can do. God is building something around here that we've got to come out. If God's got to shake this loose and shake that loose, we've got to give Him praise. Strengthen the things that remain. You know what that means? Strengthen what you've got left. We ain't got enough. And we sit around crying about everything we don't have. Oh, hallelujah. I'm feeling something tonight. Amen. Somebody just worship him right here. You know, I felt in my spirit, 
I could say this anywhere. But you know what I felt in my spirit? I feel like somebody here tonight, God just kept telling me over and over and over on the way over driving that the devil has done everything in his power to try to kill and to try to stop some of you. He has done everything in his power and he's made up his mind. I'm going to destroy them. And instantly I thought, my God, amen. It, it almost matches the scripture in the book of Acts chapter number 28 when the apostle Paul was in the barbarous country. And the Bible said in verse number 3, and when Paul had gathered a bundle of sticks, he laid them on the fire and there came a viper out of the heat and fastened on his hand. And when the barbarians saw the venomous beast having uh, hang on his hand, they said among themselves, no doubt this man is a murderer whom though he hath escaped the sea, yet vengeance suffereth him not to live. Watch what it says. Howbeit they looked and when he should, when he should had swollen and fallen down dead suddenly. He just simply shook it off. <laughs> you know what tonight, devil? We should have been dead. Some Oh my God, some of you, you should have been dead a long time ago. You should have been swollen. But I'm still here, devil. I'm still here. I'm going to tell you, he had it in his mind. There's not going to be a church here. You should have died. You should have died. You should have backslid. And when they looked, the Bible said, they changed their minds and said, he must be a God. I'm not dead, devil. I'm still here. You thought you had me. Can you imagine? The devil thought he had some of you. He thought he killed you. He did do everything he could. And you're still here tonight. One more time. Live. I'm going to tell you somebody needs to look at your neighbor and say live. Live, church. Live. And not die. You should. And I'm going to tell you how I feel just right in my spirit. The Holy Ghost kept saying over and over. The devil has launched an attack and tried everything he can to destroy your faith in God. But you're still here. You're still here. I feel like something's going to erupt. Somebody, if you'll get this tonight, oh, devil, how many times has he come up beside you and said, it ain't no use, it ain't no, your ministry's done, it's over. Amen, sit down, shut, but hey, amen, the devil is a liar. 
He come to steal and to kill and to destroy. But Jesus, I like that word, but. Because it simply wipes away everything prior but Jesus. Has come that you might have a life. In him is life. Oh, come on, somebody. Just get this in your spirit. I just feel like things are dying, Brother Moore. Amen. Brother Regan, I just feel like things are dying. I'm going to tell you, you might feel like something's dying, but if you'll sit begin to sound an alarm of a cry, saying, I refuse to die. I refuse to die. I refuse to die in the middle of my storm. The Bible said this in Second Samuel. I'm going to give you a key to this. Someone say, well, how do you do that, Brother Moore? The Bible said this in Second Samuel chapter number 8. And after this, it came to pass that David smote the Philistines and subdued them. Watch what he does. Verse number 2 said, he smote Moab and measured them with a line, casting them down to the ground. And even two lines measured he them. The Bible said measured to put to death and with one full line to keep alive. And so the Moabites became David's servants and brought gifts. Can I tell you what this is really trying to institute tonight? David looked after a battle. Amen. Or in the middle of a battle. And he had to realize he had to weigh some things up in the balance. And as he looked at those enemies or those men, he began to look at those that he felt like there would be no harm. And in them, they're going to cause no problem. But he could see in the spirits of others that they are going to be the death of me. That is going to cause me grief. That one right there is going to cause pain one of these days. And he began to draw a line in the sand. And he said, you... You're all right. You're going to live. You're not going to cause me a problem. And he said, you're going to live. But he looked at another and said, hey, that's going to cause me problem. And he said, those are going to die. Can I tell you today, somewhere in your mind, you've got to make up and draw a line in your spiritual sand and say, prayer life, you're not going to die. Prayer life, you're not going to die. But you're going to live. Worship, you're not, oh no, no, no. The devil thought he's gonna take it, but I got my mind made up. Hallelujah. Somewhere, somewhere you've gotta make up your mind. I'm not letting this die. I'm not letting my faithfulness die. But sin. going to die. Can I tell you, friends, ladies and gentlemen, tonight, you're looking at a man at the age of 21 years old and never stepped foot in an apostolic church in my life. Never raised in, in church at all. 
when the preacher began to get up to preach, he began to preach about repentance. And I was so ignorant, Brother Riggin, of the Word of God. I was not raised in church. That I leaned over to a neighbor and I asked the question, what does repent mean? He began to preach about the Godhead. And I had mental pictures of three-headed beasts. When he said anything with three heads is a freak. I thought instantly, I thought about that three-headed dog. I thought, God, what in the world is a Godhead? I was ignorant, friend. My hair was longer than my wife's hair. You're looking at me saying, my God, he was a sinner. Amen. He was wild. He wasn't not. Yeah, yeah. We played heavy metal music. And I was a lead singer. Amen. I'm telling you, friend, I didn't know God. But you know what? One day I walked into church. Amen. And I felt people begin to shout and they begin to twirl. And I thought, you know what? Amen. This whole world is going to die. This whole world has caused me grief and pain and hurt. I thought, God, if that's real, I want it. I want it. And I began to instantly think, I wonder what it would be like for me to talk in tongues. And I went home and I went, I thought, well, maybe they got it from Fred Flintstone. Yabba dabba do. Some of you tonight, maybe you do have the yabba dabba do spirit. Because if you can yabba dabba do and you can live like hell, something's wrong, honey. Amen. I'm going to tell you, give me the genuine. Give me the real. Give me the kind of Holy Ghost that drives sin out of my life. I made up my mind, brother. I'm not dying here. I'm living. I said I'm living. I said I'm living. I don't care. Well, you're going to go. Sin, you're going to go. Nicotine, you're going to die. Bad language, you're out of here. Ah, you're not hearing me. Stress and anxiety and depression, you're out of here. And when God filled me with the Holy Ghost, He gave me joy. I said He gave me life. Brother Riggin, you better watch out. I might just want to move in. This feels good around here. Hallelujah. I like this. Some of you wouldn't get excited if you saw an ant heat a whole bell of hay. You know what that lets me know? You've got things in your life you've never made up your mind. You're fighting things tonight. You're struggling with things. 
is trying to kill you. It's trying to get you out of church. It's trying to get you on the windowsill. I'm telling you, anybody made up their mind, I'm not living a 50-50. We got too many people sitting around the church saying, well, I got to fit in with them so I can help. No, no, no. Come out from among them and be ye separate, saith the Lord. That's like looking at an adulterer and saying, well, i got to do what he does so I can help him. Uh, you still like me? <laughs> Hallelujah. Somewhere you got to stop fooling yourself. I'm not dying here. I'm not dying. I'm not dying here. I'm going to make it. I'm going to survive. I'll never forget years and years ago, and you're going to have to forgive me because I wasn't raised in church, so y'all know that already. Let me see. Years ago, there was a true story. I can't remember what it was. Soccer or some kind of sports team flying over a mountain range, going to a track meet, going to a meet. And as they was flying years ago, hey man, something happened to instrument paddle on this plane. And as they flew through this mountain range, something began to happen, and the... The pilot lost track of how close they were flying to the peaks of those mountains. In the middle of a snowstorm up so high, he meant that plane simply got so close to the edge of that mountain that that wing clipped the side of the tip of a mountain and it began to spin and spiral that airplane and it, it exploded and blew that plane in half and the fuselage began to embed itself in the side of that snow-capped mountainside. And then it killed several of the individuals but you know what? Several of them lived. And they were there and, and uh, they didn't know what to do. They, there was nobody there and they didn't know how to call. There was no way to call out and, and they didn't know what to do. So they got in there and they began to bundle up and they began to eat everything that they could find. They began to melt the snow in their mouth to quench their thirst. But you know what? As day after day began to happen and begin to occur, they simply began to starve to death. Amen. Finally, the day came that the first person simply starved completely to death. Amen. And they died. And they didn't know what they was going to do other than they carried this individual. We're talking about a friend. Someone they spent hours upon hours with day after day. And they would bury their friend and their comrade out in the snow face down. Anybody know what this story was called? They called this story Alive. They made a movie from this story, this true story, and they called it Alive. They wrote books called Alive. And in this story, one after another began to die, and they, they were starving to death. And they ate everything they could and simply began to bury their friends out in the snow face down. Until one day, one of the men stood up and said, He who wants to live... Follow me. And as he walks to the edge of that snow and begins to dig out 
his friend and his comrades. They looked and asked him the question, what are you doing? And as he began to take a sharp object and begin to cut away the clothes or the backs of that individual, as they looked in astonishment, what are you going to do? And he said the statement, he said, look, he said, those of you that want to live, he said, follow what I do. And as he began to cut into that frozen flesh of his friend, he began to cut a slice of meat off of the back of that individual. Somebody say, I never do it. You're not hungry enough. I never eat a person. Oh, don't tell me what you'll do when you've had, hey amen, three meals today already and gravy and biscuits and pie. I'm going to tell you, when you begin to get hungry, you eat things you wouldn't, friend. And as they begin to chew on that flesh, others began to chew and eat their own friends. And I tell you, finally the day came that they were found. And those that lived, they began to interview and ask the question, what was the hardest thing to this trial and this battle you went through? How did you make it through it? And this one individual stood up. And you know what he said? He said, day after day, the hardest thing about this. He said, you know how many times? He said, basically, how many times I felt like my body. And my organs begin to shut down. I felt like everything in me begin to shut down. And all I would have had to have done is make up my mind. I'm letting go. But you know what he said? He said, I looked and I made up my mind. The hardest thing about this was living. Because he said so many times all I would have had to done is thrown up my hands. And I believe I would have died right there. I've come to tell somebody tonight how many times you felt like your body spiritually was shutting down. And there was nothing left and no hope. And all you knew was if you threw your hands in the air and say, I quit, I give. You would have died, but you got it in your spirit. Amen. There's some things I still want to do. And he said, you know what? I'm not dying here. I'm not dying here. I'm going to live. You know what Ezekiel says? He says, when I passed by thee, I saw thee polluted in thine own blood. And I said, yea. When I saw thee polluted in thine own blood, he said, live. Live. Can I tell you tonight, some of you... Basically, the scripture declares that when you couldn't fend for yourself and you didn't have what it took to make it, God began to step in and begin to make a way out. And he began to help you. I'm going to tell you how many times you felt like you was going to die. And man, you was going to quit. And maybe you even threw up your hands and said, God, I can't hold on. But God stepped in and you might have let go, but God held on. I said, God held on and gave you another decision. This is connecting with someone here tonight. I pray I'll say something in this last few moments that will help someone pull you out of the hell that you're in. 
Because I truly believe that some of you are battling and warring. And the devil has made up his mind. I'm going to destroy them. I'm going to take them out. I wish to God as I drove to this church tonight like a madman. Driving down the road, I thought, God, I wish my wife was here tonight. Elder, she wanted to walk up to y'all there at that service. She just didn't. She's kind of shy. But I thought, God, I wish she was here tonight so you could see my wife and know that this is true. I'll never forget one day as we was preaching revival near the boot hill of Missouri. Several years ago, my wife, we had a, we had a, a trailer and our children in it. My wife came to me one morning, woke me and says, Honey, honey, Please get up. I've got something to tell you. And I looked at her and I could see the despair in her eyes. She looked at me and she began to show me. And those of you, please lay aside your carnal mind tonight. And she began to show me. And on her body, she, she began to look at me in the eyes. And, and she began to show me a knot under her arm. And most of you, you know what I'm talking about. And as she began to show me this knot under her arm, she looked at me with fear. With tears rolled down her cheeks. She said, honey, am I going to die? I looked her in the eyes and everything I was wrestling. Can I tell you what I heard? I heard in my mind a voice said, yeah, she's going to die. And there's nothing you can do about it. But you know what? I stood there and wrestled for a moment. And I looked her in the eye. And all of a sudden I felt something creep up on me. And I said, honey, you're not going to die. You're going to live. You're going to make it. She said, how do you know? I said, by faith. God's not going to let you die. Amen. She looked at me and she said, honey, I don't want to die here. I want to make it. Amen. And you know what, friend? You know what? We turn to the scripture. You know what the Bible says in Psalms. I'm telling you one of the best scripture of my wife. This is one of her favorite scriptures. Psalms 118 and 17. It says, I... Shall not die, but live and declare the works of the Lord. When I get through this, I'm going to have a testimony, devil. When I make it through this hell, I'm going to declare the works of the Lord. He said, the Lord had chastened me sore, but he has not given me over unto death. You see, there's going to be times in your life you're going to have to look yourself in the eye. And you're going to have to tell yourself, I'm not dying here. I'm not quitting here. Hello, somebody. Have I preached too long tonight? I'm not dying here. You see, sis, you got a brother, you got to make up your mind. I shall not die. Friend, he was talking to himself. Somewhere you got to look yourself in the eye. Not just the devil, but you got to say, look, Chad Moore, I'm not dying here.
How many times, you know, I feel right here in this area. How many times Satan has tried to destroy you completely? How many times Satan has came to your mind and said, just quit, just give up. There ain't no, I'm going to tell you, I need to mind the Holy Ghost tonight. I'm going to tell you, it's not worth it. The devil tries to say, amen, you're going to die. You're going to lose it. You're not, I'm going to tell you. But that's when you've got to make up your mind, I'm not dying here. I'm not dying here. Hell has launched an attack. And he's had it in his mind. You're not going to survive it. Can I tell you, I'd like to tell you it got better. And as I looked at my wife, I said, we're going to pray and not tell nobody but our pastor. She looked at me and said, don't you think it would be only right to tell the pastor we're preaching for and nobody else? So we called our pastor and said, please, don't tell nobody. He began to pray. I went to that pastor that night and I said, Pastor, my wife's in a condition. Please don't tell nobody. We won't. We'll just pray. Can I tell you the next day my wife came to me in a horrible state and said, Honey, as she began to reveal herself, as she began to show me one knot turned into two knots. Man, she said, Honey, am I going to die? I had to muster up every bit of faith in me. I said, Honey, you're not going to die. I refuse to let you in the Holy Ghost. And I tell you, one not turned into two, two into three, three into four, four into five. As the days passed, red, red streaks ran down into her hips. Black and blue began to cross her body and down even into as far as the, her wrists and down her arms. As she began to lose, uh, she began to lose weight and her body began to fall apart. She said, honey, every day am I going to die? You're not going to die. You're not going to die. Amen. Until finally that one night was 11 knots. I'm fighting the spirit of hell right now. That's got somebody in his grasp. He's trying to squeeze the life out of you. Oh God, please hear me. Please hear me. Please somebody hear me. Amen. He's got something. And he's trying to kill. He's trying to destroy your faith. He's trying to destroy your happiness and your peace. Until now, sis, it's almost hard to put your clothes on. Can't even come to church now. Finally, we went to a service, and my wife simply was doing everything she could, Elder, to hold on. See, all we knew at that time was just, just give it to God. That's all we knew. Until one little sister walks up to my wife. I'll never ever forget it as long as I live. And she looked at my uh, looked at my wife, that dear little sister, and she said, The Holy Ghost told me today in prayer that you got an ailment in your body. And God said, and God said, if we go on a fast, He's going to heal your body. Oh, God. I thought, oh, God. 
God, you still love us. You still care about us. Somebody say, Brother Moore, how many days did you have to fast? How many days? Ten, twenty, I know, forty days. Can I tell you, church family, after one day, my wife woke up the next morning and I felt the trailer shaking as she said, honey, 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 come here and look and see what God. Can I tell you the black and blue was gone. The red streaks was gone. Eleven knots. Somebody say. Eleven knots was right back down to one. Somebody say. What did you do? We grabbed each other by the arm. And you know what we did? We done the do she do God's going to heal. God's going to do it. That trailer went to shaking. We went to church. And the next morning. Honey. Honey. You gotta see. (laughs) And as she showed me. The black and blue. The red. Every bit of it was healed. When she looked me in the eye and she said, I'm not going to die. I'm going to live. And you know what it is now? It's a testimony. God pulled me through. God pulled her out of it. Some of you are going through... A situation in your life. I feel it's so strong. So strong. So strong. Come on, somebody help me pray. Come on, Holy Ghost, feel saints. Amen. Hell is launched an attack. And he's tried every way. He's tried. And he's tried. And he's trying to squeeze the faith and the joy out of your spirit. Somebody right now, right now, I'm not going to die here. I'm not going to, oh no, I'm not going to die here. I'm going to live. I'm going to behave. I'm going to make it. I'm not dying in this storm. Somebody ought to jump out of your pew. Somebody ought to run and throw your hands in the air in front of this pulpit at the altar and say, Devil, I'm not quitting. I'm not giving up. I'm not going to die. Come on. You know who you are. You know the struggle you've been in. You know the hell that you've been fighting. You know what you need to do? You need to swallow your pride and run to this altar and make up your mind.
Come on. You know what you need to do? You need to pray with somebody that needs help. You need to lay your hand on the shoulder of somebody beside you if it's appropriate. I'm not dying here. Please, if you want to make it, God did not make a pew. He meant for an altar. He made a pew to sit on. Amen. But he made this. Amen. Somebody needs to get up out of their pew and tell the devil, I'm not dying in this hell. I'm going to live. I'm going to make it. Hallelujah. Amen. Someone say, Brother Moore, you don't know the physical situation I'm in. Amen. Maybe you don't know the God that I serve. Come on right now. Right now. I'm not tired here. I'm not tired here. Devil, you've tried to kill me. You've tried to destroy me. But I'm not going to die. Come on. Anybody want the baptism of the Holy Ghost? Anybody want to live? Anybody want to make it? Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I've got my mind made up. I'm going to live. I'm going to live. I'm going to live. I want the Holy Ghost. Come on, I feel the Holy Ghost in this house. Does anybody believe that God can fill somebody brand new with the baptism of the Holy Ghost? If you would open up your mouth and begin to pray and make up your mind, I want to make it. I want to survive. God, forgive me. God, loose me. I'm not dying here. Come on, I feel somebody's connected. Somebody's connected right now. I'm not dying. I'm not letting this spirit of hell. I'm not letting this thing take me under. Come on, somebody. You need to let go. You need to let go. You need to pray with everything in your spirit. I'm not tired here. I'm not tired here. God, God, I've made up my mind. God, right now. God, lose her. Go ahead, sis. I shall not die.
somebody needs to shake loose. Come on, you need, you need to pray like you're mad. You need to pray like you're mad at the devil. I am sick and tired of the devil binding me up. I am sick and tired of the devil lying to me and telling me I can't know. I'm going to tell you I am not going to die here. Come on, as they sing tonight. I just feel like somebody can get loose. Amen. Somebody can get loose. Somebody, right now, right now, I made up my mind. I'm making a turning point right here. Right here, things are going to be different around my house.
About those lepers sitting outside some area, famine in the land. Finally, they looked around and said, "Look, why, why sit we here till we die?" Let's let's get up and do something. decided they weren't just going to sit there and die. They weren't the only ones that got a blessing. In fact, the blessing was so good, they said, you know what? We're, this is not right. It's not right for me just to have all this blessing to myself. I, there's a whole lot of other people in the same condition we were in. Well, are you through for tonight? Is that is it? Are you... When they finally decided they weren't going to die and God started blessing them, they said, we can't just enjoy this to it. We can't keep this to ourselves. You know, that's why the devil wants to convince you you're going to die. That's why he wants to convince you that you're not going to make it because he knows how many others you can influence if you ever really get the victory and get on top of your situation. He knows as long as you're focused on your problems, you're not going to win anybody to God. But if you get focused on the problem solver, the whole world needs to know what you've got a hold of. Well, praise God, praise God, praise God. Thank you. Thank you, thank you, thank you, Brother Moore. Amen. What, what encouraging, encouraging words we've heard. Amen. You're not going to die. You're going to live and not die. Live and not die. Praise God. Praise God. We're going to have to get him back for a revival sometime. Full-fledged revival. Amen, amen, amen. Now in just, just a few moments, we're going to be, we're going to be 
having a baptismal service. And very, very excited about that. Praise God. I very excited about it. And, uh, it's always exciting to see people come to God. In fact, I I believe, I believe, Brother Lord, when Jesus made the statement, the works that I do shall ye do also, and greater works than these shall ye do. You know, I, one time I thought about it, I thought, what could be greater than blinded eyes being opened, the lame walking and the dead raised? Jesus said, you're going to do all that, but you're going to do greater than that. I thought, well, what could be greater than that? And then I realized the Holy Ghost was not yet given because that Jesus was not yet glorified. And the Bible says that Jesus did not baptize anybody. His disciples baptized. That's what the Bible says. I believe that when I take somebody into the waters of baptism and I put them under in the name of Jesus and their sins are washed away, that's a greater miracle than having leprosy cleansed or cancer taken away. I believe when I lay hands on somebody and pray for them and God fills them with the Holy Ghost, that's a greater miracle than seeing the dead raised. Well, praise God. Amen, amen, amen. Brother Michael, come right ahead. Amen. This young man was in service with us this morning. I got to meet him, talk to him, visit with him a little bit. Pray with him here tonight. Amen. I, I just, I feel, I feel something special on his life. I really do. I really, really do. I really feel like God's got something very, very special for your life. I think that's why the devil's fought you the way he has. I think that's why you've gone through whatever you've gone through. It's because the devil sees. The devil always knows when the hand of God is on someone. The devil always knows that. Well, why do you think he stirred up Pharaoh to kill all the babies? Because he knew there was a special baby that was born. He saw the hand of God on Moses. Why do you think he stirred up Herod to kill all the babies? Because he knew a special baby had been born. Well, hallelujah. God's got great things for you. I really believe that. Really, really believe that. Amen. Praise God. So we're getting ready to baptize him in the name that is above every name. Huh. Hallelujah. That wonderful, wonderful name of Jesus. Praise God.